powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Hey, Oilers fans. Welcome to Game Over Edmonton, where we can celebrate a win against the Minnesota Wild. Can you believe it? It's been seven games since anyone has been able to say that. And I'm I'm ecstatic. I, I can't believe it. We'll break it all down. Uh, there's a couple of keys to the game I want to go over. It's a little bit lonely, I'm not going to lie. Usually I got a Zach or Avery with me, but today it's just me. Uh, but hey, I got chat with me, and it sounds like uh, we got quite a few of you already. 12 watching, just started the show, and 8 likes. Hey, thank you so much for liking the show. I see MGD already in chat. Lindsay, Dark Fighters, thank you so much for being here, you guys. Nice to see you all as well. Uh, hey, let's get right into it. I'll start by paying the bills. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with sports interaction. Whether it's World Cup, hockey, football, or basketball, sports interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live, in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. And with that out of the way, I'm happy to announce that the Oilers have won against the Minnesota Wild. And big performances from so many Oilers tonight. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been amazing. He's on an absolute tear right now. Stuart Skinner posting a 9.55 save percentage tonight and just a crazy 44 shots against. We got a legit number one in Stuart Skinner now. I think we can all say that we have some problems with the cap and how that's going to go moving forward, but we got a guy, a homegrown goalie, in Stuart Skinner, and how exciting is it that we get to say that in Edmonton? Keep Nuge forever. I'm seeing a lot of comments. Nuge is key to the Oilers' power play, says MGD. More than that, Nuge is a PK monster. Even strength, he's been amazing as well. Uh, some stranger comments, where's your partner, bud? Uh, Zach has taken some good old R&R time. He's, he's sad that he's not able to do it the show today, but he's, uh, he's going on a little trip. And it's well-deserved after all those matinee L's. Uh, slight exaggeration to last time we won was against the Minnesota North Stars. Maybe not that long ago, but it has been a while. And uh, honestly, the game all capped off with a great goal by Ryan from the Costin Shoreline as well. They started the game off right. The whole game, you could see the energy was driven by our bottom lines, right? Yes, uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, usual suspects, gone on the score sheet as we expect them to. We always expect Honor McDavid to amaze, and he did. Leon Dreisaitl, he's not going to get a much easier goal than that one. A wide yawning cage. And it's, it's all right, because even if they didn't score those goals, uh, we still would have won this game. Yes, it would have been way closer. Maybe would have gone into overtime. But with this Oilers squad, it looks like now they're finally finding their confidence. There's one guy who we will talk about a little bit later. Didn't have as much of an impact on this game as I think a lot of us would have liked to see. But even Jesse Pugliarvi played quite well today. I think it's, it's good to see that there's a little bit more confidence, a little bit more energy in our bottom lines. No one's looking at the top line and going, hey, they can just win the game for us anymore. They're hard checking against a Minnesota team, which is big, physical. Our smaller guys didn't back down. You saw Yamamoto take some punishment for it. You saw Derek Ryan, after he scored the first goal, get pushed around. But nice bear hug by Clem Costin, protecting his man. And Clem Costin, he's really endearing himself to oil country, unlike ever before. I think this is the first time I've seen someone 
come in from a trade, a, a nothing burger of a trade like this, and just absolutely endear himself to this fan base. Uh, MGD says, it's a little early to say, but early returns for the cost in Samarukov trade might have been a win for Holland. <laughs> a rare Holland W. Um... Absolutely agree. Yeah, it feels like we're starting to pick up steam with the depth, says Brandon Pankratz. Costin looking great so far. Uh, Yessi Pugliarvi. It's it's a low in terms of ice time. Yes, he does only have 7 minutes and 38 seconds. Not the best, but I think he was relatively impactful. I don't think they cost us anything when they were on the, they were on the ice. Uh, Holloway, likewise, only played 7.23. And I'm really enjoying the fact that Holloway, Hamblin, Pugliarvi, these guys aren't, they might not have the confidence that you would typically want out of a line, but they're looking like they're willing to battle through it. Hamblin, Holloway, Yessi Pugliarvi, they're all guys who are supposed to be big, physical, dogged, right? And we're seeing that Hamblin has the spirit to do it because he knows that this is his chance. Tyler Benson got sent down to Bakersfield again. He cleared waivers the other day. That leaves James Hamblin here. Now, it's anyone's guess. Is Fogel going to come back and take a lot of ice time away from him? Maybe. Are they going to sit Derek Ryan? I don't think so. The guy's on a heater right now. Uh, are they going to sit Devon Shore? Maybe. I would personally like to see Devon Shore sat for a couple games. I know Zach would have loved to see Devon Shore sat for a couple games. But this is the situation where we are at right now. We have a couple of guys who are banged up. We're not necessarily the, the healthiest team. We're not the worst team right now. Colorado's looking a little bit rough. But... We are a team that has some injuries, and we're getting contributions from our depth guys right now. Let's continue on, look through the rest of the game. Uh, very active sticks tonight. It looks like the, the board battles, the Oilers committed themselves to doing so. They committed themselves to getting in the way of passing lanes. They committed to crashing the net. They committed to clearing out their crease. That last point is something that I've been harping on before. In the past, we've seen guys just stand around the crease looking for the puck, not protecting their goalie. And tonight, you saw the opposite. You saw guys clearing the way so that Skinner could see. Darnell Nurse, minus a real, real bad pass early on in the game, uh, just an absolute pizza right onto the stick of Erickson Eck, and he buries it. Good hands by Erickson Eck. I love that guy as well. Solid third line center. But you can't give up passes like that. Uh, if Bouchard had done that sort of pass, he probably would have been sitting for a couple minutes. But what I hope is that Darnell Nurse had the wherewithal as a so-called leader of this group to sit back down, tell all of his guys, I fucked up. I shouldn't have made that pass. I am so sorry. I'll get it back for us. That's the type of thing that exudes confidence and leadership, even if you make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes sometimes. It could be, you could be the leadership of an organization, someone like a GM. If you make a mistake, it's better to acknowledge it. Own your mistakes. Move forward. In the end of the night, I think Darnell Nurse got a lot better, uh, especially with the final rush at the end of the game. I think he really started pushing guys out, muscling guys out, but in a smart way. Not the sort of boneheaded play in the past where we saw him go for guys' helmets, high stick. He was a little bit smarter tonight, and I think he really settled after a pretty mediocre first period. Uh... <laughs> Nurse, uh, nurse still sucks, says some stranger, and then follows it up immediately with nurse, nurse is pretty consistent, though. Uh, I think there's some, there's some things to say about Darnell Nurse, but I think a lot of it comes from his contract. If he wasn't making the 9.25 million, I think 
I'm okay with Darnell Nurse's play. If he's making seven, eight million, it doesn't make sense to bash a player for their price tag. And again, that's going to come up later again in the Yessi Pugliarvi talk. Okay, so moving on from that, uh, we have a power play goal. <laughs> Just an amazing, amazing power play goal. Barry Nuge to McDavid. Clean. The, the pass from Nuge was amazing. I don't know how he sees, how he has that vision to funnel a pass through like that. I'm reminded of uh, earlier on in the season when he just just squeaked a pass through the legs of an opposing player and found McDavid on the other side. It's, it's amazing. Nuge is hot right now, and I'm all for it. The fact that this guy took a team-friendly deal, he's probably going to be an oiler for life. I love it. Keep Nuge forever. Uh, moving on to the second period, I, I think Hyman has had so many chances this game. And he's making an impact. He's digging these pucks out. But he just isn't able to bury it. And I don't know why. If this was, you know, traditional media, maybe I would say that we need to find him. We need to help him find his game again. He's he's lost. He if he doesn't work out, we need to start looking at other options. Demote him. Bring up Yamamoto. I I don't think that's the case. You see him absolutely trying his best, getting into the gritty areas along the boards, driving play around the net. It just isn't going in. <laughs> And you expect things to change. You expect fate to change in his favor now. It's just a matter of when. Couple of penalties. It looks like the Oilers weren't the other only uh, team that were... Uh... Sorry, I can't talk. Sounds like the Wild weren't the only teams up against the Oilers. Uh, the refs had some pretty bad calls. Some really ticky-tack calls. Uh, the 5-on-3 was, of course, rough. You hate to see it. Just a high stick by Kulak. You can't do that. Yanmark takes a hook on Kaprizov. You can't do that. Those aren't those aren't debatable, right? You you get your stick into a guy's hands. You yank him down. Maybe he goes down a little bit easy. You think Kaprizov maybe embellished it a little bit? I think I'm not a hockey player. But I'm, I'm thinking he could probably take a little bit of a tug and not fall down. But in the end, it is what it is. Zuccarello scores. <laughs> the blessing was that already Kulak's uh, penalty had expired. So we, we just cleared off Yanmark's 2-2 game. And this is when you think momentum usually shifts the other way. Right? The Oilers, even when they get a lead sometimes just have a game slip from their grasp. Sometimes it's goaltending. Sometimes it's defense. Sometimes it's the refs. Didn't happen. Tonight, the momentum did shift in the game. Did shift in terms of number of shots. In terms of possession. But the Oilers battled back. Flurry absolutely robbed Dreisaitl on a cross-crease play, but doesn't matter the drive the energy from the oilers from all four lines led to yamamoto tipping home a nurse wrister and it was a good play right nurse eyes heads up beating that through yamamoto who doesn't love yamamoto right the the little man trying to just just make it all happen for short kings like us tips home first of the year I hope more come for him. He's, he's really trying to battle back. Uh, obviously, the injuries have not been very favorable for him. Uh, later on in the game, he would take a pretty bad trip and fall into the boards. But from what I'm seeing right now from media, I don't see anything saying that he's impacted by it at all. I know he was definitely really shaken up, as anyone would feel. <laughs> crashing into some pretty hard boards but hey this is the the game that yamamoto plays he 
He knows how he has to play to be effective. And my God, he did it. Going to take a quick break here to take a look at chat. Yamamoto's improved this team quite a bit. Yes, uh, the penalty call on Drysaddle was weak. Yes, afterwards, there was a penalty called where Drysaddle just kind of had a stick in the wrong area. And it got held on to. Would you call that if it was someone like a, like a Crosby, right? A veteran that knows all the refs. Debatable. Let's leave it at that. We won. <laughs> the penalties didn't kill us tonight. All is well. Uh, doesn't have to go down for a hooking call. Yes, true. Yama Yamamoto did have a pretty rough tumble. I think he played just a little bit afterwards. I did see him not late, late into the game, but he was out there on the ice. Drysaddle versus Flower. Yes, Travis Saunter. Uh, great comment. Drysaddle was feeling it tonight. Uh, if you didn't watch the game, Flurry essentially had a couple of guys in the crease. And as Flurry does, gets a little heated, grabs a stick, tosses it. And then in the same motion as his blocker fly off. And as he tossed it over to the roughly the face-off dot area, Dreisaitl, ever the gamer, skates over, pushes it with his stick, nonchalant, back turned to the net, and Flower just comes up, grabs, tries to grab the blocker. Obviously, Dreisaitl's not having any of that. Pushes it a little bit further away, and then grabs Dreisaitl and almost tries to dummy him. This is something that only a veteran goaltender can do. A, he's a goalie. We know from Jordan Bennington this season, you can't touch a goalie. You touch a goalie, everyone's going to come at you, even if they're being a bit of a dickweed. But hey, this is what Marc-Andre Fleury can do. He's been in the league for enough years. He's a gamer. Dreisaitl doing a, <laughs> Dreisaitl doing a Kachuk. Hey, you know what? Some stranger, Dreisaitl had his, had his helmet ripped off by Flurry. I don't think he was trying to turtle. I don't think he was trying to protect himself. He was just trying to absolutely get at Flurry. But guys obviously mobbed on him. But we got a good shot of Leon's hair. Hey, man's got good locks. Better locks than mine, at least. <laughs> MGD says Dreisaitl being pissy again. This is good. This is pissy in the right way. Um... Moving on, yes. So, wow, we're already at 14 likes, 30 watching. Thank you so much, chat. Uh, once again, if you like the broadcast, I'm doing it alone. It's, it's really nice to see some uh, positive reaction here. 34 watching. Thank you, thank you. Uh, if you're listening after the fact on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcast provider, give us a rating. If you think it stinks, tell me it stinks. If you think there's anything we can do better, let us know. But if you like the podcast, let us know. Uh, all right. So moving on to the third period, the Oilers just started the game on a on another or started the period on another penalty kill. Right. Leon Dreisaitl got called in for that really, really rough hook. I mean, Zuccarello 100 percent sold it. What can you do? You know, you, you walk into a dressing room with a minute 57 of a penalty to kill on the other side. And this has to fire up the team, right? Your penalty killers have to be going out there and saying, hey, we can't let that bullshit happen. He's our best player. Except for this one other guy. He's pretty good, too. But Leon Dreisaitl's sitting because he, he got absolutely embellished on. Like... The Oilers did what they had to do. They killed the penalty. Skinner came up so big with seven shots on that power play. A minute 57, but it doesn't matter. As soon as it was killed, we got a little bit more of a back and forth, a little bit more of a tussle. But then the fourth line got back out there. Costin 
boy is Clem Costin just playing his heart out. You see the cuts and the scratches from his fight last uh, last game against a pretty tough customer in Zach Cassian. We all know in oil country how tough of a customer Zach Cassian is. But he was still going at guys. He was going at guys like Reeves. He was going at guys like Dumba. In fact, Costin got hooked by Dumba. Oilers get a power play. And they make him pay. The, the aggressiveness of the Minnesota power play is pretty astounding. But when you're that aggressive, you leave a guy wide open. And Leon Dreisaitl with a wide open net, he's not going to miss. Wrap up the game. A lot of spirited affairs. Kulak took another penalty. Killed, right? Steele trips up Yamamoto. That's really rough. I hope Yamamoto's okay. But no harm, no foul. We don't score on that ensuing power play, right? In the end... Oh, and of course, Nuge buries an empty net goal. Nuge is huge. In the end, by all metrics... Oilers did really well tonight against an opponent that they historically stink against. 50% in the faceoff dot. Only let up one power play goal on five penalties. Two for three on their own power plays. Amazing. Edmonton, which you think would get out-hit, out-muscled because they're a smaller team than Minnesota, did pretty well on that front too. 22 hits to 24. Yes, we would like to see the shot metrics go the other way, but Stuart Skinner was up to the task. And in the end, we come away with a W. If the Oilers play this way continuously, game after game, we're looking at a team that's, if not championship worthy, at least going deep in the playoffs, right? This is our depth players. They're doing a great job. Robert's in chat. Hello, Robert. Everyone wave hi to Robert. Hearts for Robert. Uh, <laughs> Lindsay, in the end, it doesn't even matter. And I can't sing any more of that because I don't want to get copyright struck. If we already got copyright struck, I'm sorry. Please don't fire me, SDPN. Sporadic <laughs> in chat. Unfortunately, Skinner can't play every game. Good point. We have another game against the Minnesota Wild. On Monday, you got two days to rest Skinner. But I think that's enough, right? We rest Skinner, lay him on Monday. And then it's a back-to-back. So by default, unless, you, unless Woodcroft really, really wants to ride the hot hand, you're playing Jack Campbell on Tuesday against the Predators. Now... During the intermission, there was a little bit of talk about Jack Campbell and what he's been sort of facing and how he's been working on himself, especially, you know, in terms of his confidence. That's not the only Oilers player who's missing some confidence right now. I think you have to play him. If you don't play him against Arizona because you're worried about the two points, I get it. I understand it. But you have to play him eventually. Stuart Skinner is a first-year NHL goalie. (laughs) Even if the distribution starts evening out between the two of them, you shouldn't expect him to perform well with like 50 games, right? Let's start getting Campbell in. If the Predators are an issue, a team that, you know, historically we kind of dominate, loosely dominate, We'll revisit it next week. I wouldn't feel too pressured until post-Christmas, right? If you remember last season, the Oilers had a terrible December. A December where they went 2-15-2, something like that. It's not over. The Oilers made the Western Conference Final last year. There's still so much time to play. There's still so much time to get Campbell up to speed. 
And don't forget, we're still in a playoff spot. Like, we still have the wild card spot. It's not like we're down in the dumps. Let's start working on some of our guys. Now, that was pretty much the game. If I wanted to sum it up, number one, just an overall great effort, great energy from first line to fourth line, even strength, all, all the special teams, just amazing. Second off, special teams dominance. We won the special teams war. And if you're winning even strength and special teams, hey, guess what? <laughs> you're winning hockey games. And third, Stuart Skinner. Those are your keys to this game. Those were the difference makers. Um, some stranger says the Wild played a 60-minute game. The Oilers matched that tonight. Doesn't happen a lot. He says, let's make it a habit. Agreed. If the Oilers play 60 minutes every time, this is a formidable hockey team. Missing some pretty big names right now. Missing Evander Kane. Missing Ryan McLeod. Missing Fogel. These are big names that are missing. But we're doing okay. The next man up mentality seems to finally be working, right? Oh, Hater McDater. Oilers are in the top three in the Pacific now, not even wildcard. Hey, even better, right? The fact that we're third in the Pacific, right? By both points and points percentage. Excellent. The fact that we're third in the Pacific, it's time to, it's time to test things right? I don't think the lineups need to be tested. Right now, leave the lines as they are until other people come back from injury. But for now, try Campbell out. If you're going to do something on the defense pairs, maybe now's a good time too. Um, on the note of the defensive pairings, a lot of people have been saying that there is options from within. I'm inclined to agree with that. I think Evan Bouchard, he's been playing well. By metrics, even though it's very rare ice time, don't have a lot of data, Nurse and Bouchard seem to be a pairing that clicks well. So, why not, right? Why not try things? Maybe not against the Minnesota Wild, because you just won, and you're going to be playing them again. You know they're going to be fired up. They're going to be back at home trying to do a revenge game. This is a revenge game today, and the Oilers decided to buckle down and win. You expect Minnesota to do the same. You're going to have to outplay them. Uh, one question from Chad. What does it mean having a 60-minute game? Essentially, um, Chris Brown, that is your real name, <laughs> a 60-minute game means they're playing all three periods. They're not getting lazy they're not starting a game slow you know feeling out a game they're going with intensity from the beginning they're playing through through the middle and they're finishing up a game with the killer instinct if you're ahead keep pushing don't let up on the gas if you're behind burn all rubber just try and get that w this isn't a team that's holding back anymore and i love to see it i hope it keeps coming Okay, wow, the show is really blasting forward. But hey, thank you so much for being here so far, you guys. 44 people watching live and 19 likes. Thank you so much for being here. We try. Uh, we got two topics that I wanted to dig into beyond this game. Because there's some stirring out in oil country right now. And I... Took a little question gathering post on Twitter earlier today, um, trying to get a little bit of a topic for you guys to to ask me questions. And uh, if you had any burning questions, I'm I'm seeing chat's pretty active. Let me know if you want to ask me something. But Insider J Money on Twitter asked about the Yessi Pugliarvi situation. If you aren't aware. Yessi Pugliarvi, a couple days ago, talked to Finnish media, Tommy uh, Seppala, I hope I pronounced his name correctly, and essentially gave a couple of lines to say that he doesn't feel confident. To quote, I think he said 20, 
to quote in English of his translated Finnish. I've played 20 games and I have one goal. That sucks. Right? And you you get that. You see Puliarbi, just this this lovable guy who we drafted fourth overall. And that point's important because we never forget when we drafted any of our players. We see this guy who came in happy, boisterous, ready to play in the NHL, to, in his mind. And we compare him to now, a 24-year-old Yessi Pugliarvi, I think he's 24, who is beating himself up, already took a break to go back to Finland, play, get his confidence, came back. And now, after doing pretty well for a year or two, feels like he doesn't belong. Not just in Edmonton, but in the NHL. He's not a happy Bison King anymore. Now that's about the sum up. Um, if you were watching the last show with Zach and I, we already talked extensively about the article. We already talked a little bit about what we would do for Yassi Pugliarvi. But a little bit more discourse has happened. And we're looking at some Oilers media that have commented on it. Um, quite notably, George Larocque. Who recently celebrated his birthday? Happy belated birthday to George Larocque, one of the players that I watched growing up. Loved it. He went on 630 Cheds Oilers now with Bob Stoffer and essentially ripped into Jesse Pugliarby. The gist of what he said, the gist of the sound bites, was that nothing comes easy in this league. And he doesn't feel bad for Pugliarvi because the only way to start producing is to work harder. Larocque, of course, had a totally different style that he was supposed to play. You know, he was an enforcer back when fighting was much more prevalent. Of course, someone like Larocque is going to be very upset with someone like Pugliarvi a high draft pedigree that isn't producing has to change his game and just has no confidence in himself because for LaRock this was a guy that had to beat people up nearly on a night-to-night basis right he had to take blows to the head he's very good at dishing out blows and taking punches to the face but that's not something you really want to be doing, right? If you're, if you're scoring one goal in 20 games, that sucks. But you know what sucks more? Taking a punch to the face. That stinks. <laughs> chat, chat is going on about um, the Oilers have ruined Jesse Pugliarvi's development. There's a little bit about team. There's a little bit about personal. You can say both parties were not great right moving beyond that what do we have to do from this point forward well the other notable Oilers media that I wanted to talk about today was the athletics low tide uh Alan if you're listening to this wow thank you hearts out to you I know you're having some difficult times um condolences to you in his article in, with The Athletic, he pointed out that Yessi Pugliarvi is one of the most snake-bitten players on this roster. His PDO was 93%. He's due, but it just doesn't seem like it's coming. No matter how snake-bitten it seems, no matter how many times he fires the puck, it just doesn't seem to want to go in for him. And he points out that this year, the Oilers have so many other options at depth, right? If Jesse Pugliarvi isn't producing in the top six, you know he's not going to stay there. You, we have guys like Kane, like Hyman, Yamamoto, 
Nuge. These are guys that are going to occupy top six slots. So it's up to Pugliarvi to fight for those bottom six roles, right? Maybe third line is the best spot to say. But those are kind of full right now too. Liam Costin, he's playing really well. Vogel, he was on a bit of a streak before he took some weird day-to-day illness. Uh, Dylan Holloway. I'm amazed that Dylan Holloway has stuck with this Oilers squad for as long as he has. Uh, early, early on, everyone's saying, ship him down to AHL, try and get him some more minutes in Baco. But maybe Ken Holland was right for once. Holloway's really found his groove. In the last little while, he's been producing. And of course, James Hamblin. Great story of an Edmonton-born player, undrafted, coming up, finding his opportunity. With these bottom six slots filled by capable guys, no wonder Jesse Pugliarvi feels like he doesn't have a place to belong to. And once McLeod comes back, great point by some stranger, yes, once McLeod comes back, you expect those spots to get even slimmer, right? So what do we do? What do we do with Jesse Pugliarvi? In my mind, I'm no expert. I'm not in the room. <laughs> I'm just like you, a fan sitting, well, in some instances, slight aside, in I've been watching Oilers games on my TV standing at a lift desk. I don't know what what makes what makes a big change about it. Maybe it's the power pose a la Woodcroft, but standing there taking notes on a lift desk just feels really good to me. And that's how I've been watching my Oilers games. Maybe that's why I'm losing weight. Tangent over. There's three options. One. Wave them. Yessi Pugliarvi, one-year deal, $3 million. Cap space is valuable, especially to this team right now. If you waive them, you lose them for nothing, but you gain cap space. Second, offer them as a trade chip. Now, this is kind of tough, right? As we mentioned, he's not producing. He's making a lot of money for a guy who's not producing. And teams aren't going to do the Edmonton Oilers any favors, right? They're not going to value Pugliarvi when Pugliarvi isn't producing anything. But I think that's what most Oilers fans would want. I think that's what Jesse Pugliarvi would want. Just a change of scenery, a different organization. We get cap space out of it, and maybe we'll get a player out of it. And the third is what we're doing right now. We try and hold on. We try and just get him his confidence back. Trying to delete some bots. Thank you, Robert. Um, we try and hold him, try and find those spots, or sparks, right? If, if he can turn it around, if he has a heater and scores three, four goals, I don't think we're having this conversation anymore. I don't think he's having this conversation anymore. He just needs to bank a couple of them in. And famously, when he came in uh, earlier on the year, he said, hey, uh, <laughs> I'm going to use my big boot and try and get in front of the net. And he did that a couple of times this year. He's been screening goalies. He's been taking their eyes away. And it's been effective when he's doing so one of the odd things is though his draft pedigree lends him to be a shooter someone who can pick corners fire the pill and he's not that guy he's he's a physical guy now he's trying to play a checking role he's trying to bang bodies and block sight and vision and fight in front of the net we have to let go of his draft pedigree for his sake. If he's able to succeed in any way. That's all we need. We want to see a happy Pugliarvi. We want to see a productive Pugliarvi. Uh, great point by some stranger. Evander Kane. 
that's a guy who's kind of in the same role, right? Obviously, he's got a little bit better hands. He's been producing before his injury. That's a guy that Pugliarvi can really model his game around. Zach Hyman, maybe a little bit of a smaller guy, but still someone who's hard on the forecheck, really tough to play against, a dog, right? He's got that dog in him. If anyone can drum up Pugliarvi, have success in that sort of role, or in a shooter's role, that's all the Oilers need. Now, with this third option, one of the problems is, Jesse Pugliarvi has a $3 million contract. If we qualify him for the next year, you can think of a qualifying offer as sort of a minimum that the team has to pay for him. $3 million is too much. We have a lot of guys that we need to sign, right? And this isn't even talking about a potential trade that might come in. Someone like a like an Edmondson who's coming from Montreal, maybe I wish he wasn't an option. But Edmondson has an extra year at 3.5. We just don't have the cap space. The Oilers next year. With 10 million ish in cap space, have to sign Skinner, Bouchard, McLeod, Yamamoto, Costin. Is there room for Pulley Is there room for a $3 million Pulley I don't think so. And if you don't qualify him, Pugliarvi's not taking a team-friendly deal to stay in Edmonton. He He's willing to take any deal to get out of the NHL and find comfort in Finland. So, if we do have the wherewithal to hold on to him, and if he finds his game, maybe suddenly he's worth $3 million. But that's a big if. Now, one of the things that I think will become more clear is we still have a couple of months before the trade deadline. I'm loath to start taking action right now, immediately. I think we can let Pugliarvi try and develop, let him try and help the team out. If we have to waive him, we have to waive him. I don't think he's playing at a level where Pugliarvi is below that of Devin Shore. I think if I were to waive anyone, it would be probably a Shore, maybe a Hamblin. Send him back down to the A. I don't think Pugliarvi's necessarily below guys like that right now. But eventually, you have to make a move. And if we get to the trade deadline and he's able to manufacture value, great. We trade him as part of something. If he isn't, we waive him. And if someone takes Pugliarvi off our books, cap dump so that we can get someone at the trade deadline. Also great. Uh, I don't, uh, doubtful, I think Pugliarvi is arbitration eligible. Yes, Kato, you're right. Uh, Pugliarvi is arbitration eligible. I think Yamamoto is also arbitration eligible. And those are those are situations that typically favor a player, right? Arbitration is very rarely in favor of teams. Uh, isn't the cap going up like five million? Yes, I think the cap. Oh, five million. The cap is going up. I believe it is. Oh, don't quote me on this. Eighty-two. Check cap friendly. <laughs> but yes, the cap is going up, but we we don't have enough still, especially if Skinner is going to be playing starter minutes. He, you could expect that he would take a hometown discount. Again, homegrown Edmonton guy. But I still think Skinner is going to command 2 million, 2.5. And... Bouchard, if 
like many Oilers fans suggest, you go the Clefbaum route, try and extend him to a seven, eight year deal, somewhere something where you really bet on the player making it work and continuing to develop. That's like four million. I think Clefbaum was four point five, so that's tough. And I think we should keep Bouchard. I think we should extend Bouchard to a clef bomb like deal. But will we have the space to? Hard to tell. McLeod? I think McLeod, he's really endeared himself to oil country as well. Yeah, is he someone you want to long term? Probably not. You probably bridge him. I'd say something at like a 1.5. Given the fact that he took a very team-friendly deal this time uh, in during the season, I think that he's probably going to command a little bit higher of salary next time, right? And he's playing well. Uh, <laughs> some, some stranger. We'll find out next week about the cap increase. There we go. Nothing official so far about the cap increase. We hope we find out soon. Yes, thank you, MGD um kato you never know with the arbitrator they could stick the team with a contract they might not like exactly arbitration means that if you go to it and you don't like the outcome you're stuck nothing you can do so rather than take that route i think it's safe to say yesi puliarvi is probably playing his last season in oil country maybe his last season in the nhl if there's no takers and he just needs to go home and i don't fault the guy for that he wants to be comfortable uh moving on yes we have a uh, yamamoto to qualify as well we have costin because i think costin really endeared himself to this team he's making minimum right now but i think he's probably going to be making at least one million and that's not to say anything about shore ryan uh, murray guys that you know, replacement level, you got to find guys eventually to fill those roles, probably at a league minimum. Um, last year was probably the best time for league minimum deals. Uh, we played against them tonight, Sam Steele, Edmonton product, um, 825,000. He's an RFA. He wasn't qualified last year by Anaheim, and now he's finding himself playing first line minutes. That that's such a steal for Minnesota. The another guy, Sonny Milano, right? He, he took a PTO with Calgary, didn't work out, ended up going to Washington where he's making like league minimum 750. He's he's making like nothing. But he's playing second line minutes. Granted, it's a very busted up Washington team. But if you were looking for cheap guys, last year was the time to do it. This upcoming season, Kind of hard to say. Um, before we move on to our final topic for tonight, I know, guess we're going a little bit long. <laughs> Even though I'm solo, we're going long because uh, there's more stuff to talk about. 23 likes already. 23 on 33 watching. Thank you so, so much. Please continue to like and support the podcast. And if you wanted to uh, get a little bit of merch, uh, audio listeners, I'm holding up the brand new Game Over Edmonton mug. That's right. You can get it at sdpnshop.ca. Take a little sip of water here. Mmm, <sighs> that's a good mug. I swear it's just water. Uh, yes, moving on to our final topic for tonight. Wanted to talk about, again, a little bit of help on defense. There's there's a, a lot of discussion, let's say, about some pretty big names to bolster the Oilers' defense. Uh, the biggest one probably being Eric Carlson. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Let's be real. Not only has it been sort of debuffed by Sharks management uh saying that like the first time they've heard of anything like that but it doesn't make sense for eric carlson to come to edmonton again first he has a no move clause i don't know yes the sharks stink but i don't know if he's willing to move from sunny san jose to frigid edmonton for five years 
And even if he did, I don't know if I want him for five years at 11.5 million. Maybe that's retained. But if I'm San Jose, retaining half for five years, that's tough. Depends on how heavy they commit to a rebuild. But even with a 5.5 cap hit, 5.75, I'm not doing it. If, if I'm Edmonton, I got guys to extend coming up. I'm not paying another five years of Eric Carlson. You kidding me? How about Jacob Chitrin? Well, Chitrin's coming at $4.6 million. If you get a little bit of retained, that's great. Arizona sounds like they're doing anything and anything. So if you want to retain salary, just pay them. But the steep ask. Three-year contract. It's a modified 10 no-move clause. Although Chitrin has asked for a trade. Though it depends on how desperate he is to get out of Arizona. And if he's coming in with a 50% retained, $2.3 million? For three years? Well, this season and two more beyond it? Ooh, Chitrin's looking good. The only slight, of course, is the price that it would take. And it eats into the salary for other folks, right? You think if Bouchard gets an extension, especially a cleft bomb one, that's tough. Because you're right up against the cap now. If you trade away, away Broberg, you don't have this question. But if you keep Broberg, well, now you have, to, you have to pay Broberg. And you're going to be spending way too much money between Darnell Nurse, CC, Barry. If you're paying Broberg and you're paying Bouchard and now you're paying Chitrin, that's too much. Way too much cap on defense. Uh, yes, Pugliarvi, Broberg, a first and two seconds for Chitrin with 50% retained. You know what? Travis, I'd do that. I'd do that if I were, you know, Ken Holland. Or as Zach suggested, maybe Brad Holland could convince his father to do it. I, I would do that in a heartbeat. Especially if those two seconds come much later. Right now, it's time to go for it. Chitrin is a guy, he's a big fish, like Kato said, but I would go for it. Uh, thank you so much for tracking, Lindsay. 27 likes, three more, and we get to 50. Um, my concern with Chitrin is he only plays 60 to 70% of games, says MGD. Yeah, he has an injury history, but he's relatively young. Should be able to spring back. And you're you're going to run this risk no matter what, right? Guys get injured all the time. Maybe he's a little bit more prone. But with some of the other guys that are floating around, like Joel Edmondson, at 3.5 million, two years, I think I'd much rather take Chitrin, especially if the rumors are true about Edmondson and it's going to cost him something like last year's rentals down to florida right firsts if it's going to cost multiple picks i no edmondson's not worth that he's also not what we need right edmondson doesn't fill that top defensive role that we need a name that's been floated around a lot luke shen can't get more budget friendly than luke shen Eight hundred and fifty thousand. UFA at the end of this year, so if he doesn't play well, ship him off. Bye-bye. Don't have to keep him. Similarly, recently I think uh, Oilers Nation has started to talk about Vladimir Gavrikov, right? A little bit more expensive, $2.8 But again, one year, he's a UFA, ship him off. Thanks so much for coming. Sorry we didn't win a cup. Bye-bye. Plus, these guys would be relatively cheap to attain. Now, of course, Vancouver's been on a little bit of a hot streak. So are they willing to trade someone like a Luke Shen? We don't know. But his agent, Ben Hankinson on Twitter, has recently posted this uh, yesterday. 
Luke Shen, perfect deadline acquisition, a consistent pattern of top four quality play, versatile, versatility play, any pairing, plays low mistake hockey, blah, 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 blah. Two-time Stanley Cup champion. Hey. Sounds like if Vancouver doesn't want to trade the guy, maybe he wants to move. Now, later, he dialed it back. Ben Hankinson mentioned something about, no, no, he's he hasn't asked for a trade request. And no, it's not, it's not coming out like that. I'm just writing a good article about his value. But then why would you write perfect deadline acquisition? Ah. I'm not a lawyer. SDP, SDPN has lawyers on staff, some of which are on the other broadcasts that you can check. But I think we caught him. Uh, Luke Shen would be a great addition for this Oilers team. MGD says, yeah, I would prefer Luke Shen. He's a defensive defenseman. Gritty. Physical. The dude's, the dude's made of exactly what we need. Something like a Brett Kulak where he comes in, plays defensive hockey, no mistakes. That's that. Uh, hard pass on Edmondson, especially if they ask for Borgo. I if if we trade Borgo for Edmondson, I I think I'm not going to be a fan of this team anymore. Not not until Holland resigns. That's an outrageous deal. You kidding me? Um, that's that's what I've heard in media as well, and that doesn't seem like it makes any sense. The real form, if we have Chitrin for two years, the defense would be Nurse, Cece, Chitrin, Kulak, Broberg, Bouchard. I mess with that. Damn. But yes, I honestly, Chitrin, I'd love it if we could make it happen. I think the price, very dependent what the final package is. But I think a Luke Shen's not going to cost you that much. Right, especially if Vancouver starts to tank again, might get away with just a fourth. I'd be willing to go up to a third. Actually, I don't think we have our third this year. Fourth, it is. Let's get it done. Uh, yeah, I think there's so many options out there, but once again, it's early. We're in a playoff position. Trade deadline's still a while, while's out. It's December. Leave it. Wait for the trade deadline. And by the end, if we need to make a defensive move, we make a defensive move. Ken Holland is known for doing that. That might be the move. If Jesse Pugliarvi gets away and finds happiness somewhere else, it's going to suck for us because we're going to say, damn, you know, he actually, we had him for so many years and we squandered his development. Not a new story. Oilers always squander first-round pick development, especially in a certain era. That's okay. I just want to see the man happy. If he's not the Bison King anymore, if he goes away and finds scoring over in Columbus, fine. He's happy with Patrick Liney. Great. Root for the guy. Heart and soul. Uh, <laughs> Lindsay says, don't worry, game over Montreal. Mark is already shipping Habs players out. <laughs> well, the Habs aren't having a good season. I, I'd hate to be them. But this is game over Edmonton. I'm Dennis Lee. You can follow me on Twitter at Dennis Lee YEG. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's a little bit of a long broadcast. 38 watching live. <laughs> Still need three more likes, says MGD. Hey, that's all right. If we don't get to 30, my feelings aren't hurt. Uh, next game will be Monday, December 12th against Minnesota in Minnesota. It's a 6 p.m. start time and game over Edmonton will be back with your host, Avery. You guys are in for a treat. Uh, until then, we'll see you next time. Oilers win. A big 5-2 victory against the Minnesota Wild, snapping their winning streak against the Oilers at 7. Is it time for us to get a winning streak going against them? Hope so. Especially for Avery's sake. Uh, Lindsay says, one more 29 likes. Thank you so much 
for petitioning for me, Lindsay. Uh, hey, thank you so much for watching. Until the next broadcast, bye bye Play La Bamba, baby! Good night. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.